Well, good morning and welcome to Destiny Church Online. So glad that you're joining with us, even though you're not here with us in person as we are gathering in person now, but you're here with us online and that means so much to us. If there's any way that we can serve you as you're still gathering with us online, please let us know. You can send us a prayer request. There's a link to do that on our website and the link is right there in the video description of this live stream. You can also just put a comment if you need prayer for anything. You can put that comment there on the live stream and later on today and this week, we'll go back through that and we'll be praying for you. We also want to welcome everyone that's watching from Destiny Church Fredericksburg. Thanks for tuning in today and I'm looking forward to being with you tonight at six o'clock. So we are continuing our series in the book of Acts. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the life of Saul and his conversion. And what we've seen is that it has been a miracle. What God did in his life is absolutely miraculous as he saved him, transformed him, and then brought him into the church and the church body. And a lot of times we don't think of these things as miracles, but they are. They are. They're God intervening in the natural course of human events. This salvation, this transformation, this sanctification, this reconciliation that happens as Paul is welcomed into the church family, the same church that he persecuted, the same church that he tried to destroy, that they forgive him and call him their brother. And these are miraculous events. And sometimes we don't really think of these things as miraculous because we see them happen so often in the church. People saved, people transformed, people sanctified, people reconciled to God and others. But let there be no doubt, these are miraculous events because they are God supernaturally intervening in the ordinary stuff of our lives. And as we move on today through the rest of Acts chapter 9, we're going to shift from looking at Saul and we're going to go back to Peter. And what we're also going to see in the life of Peter are a couple miraculous events, a couple opportunities where God works through Peter to accomplish his work of miraculous healing. And so Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be, and we are in verse 32. And it says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas... Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was, not, well, since Lydda was near Joppa, 
The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing him the tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, Simon a tanner. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, wherever we're at and whatever we're going through, we know that you are speaking to us. Lord, help us to see that you are the healer, that you are the one who takes the broken and makes them whole. Lord, help us to also be agents of your healing, that we would go out into the world with the glorious good news of the healing that we can have in our hearts, in our souls, as we are healed ultimately from sin. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's take a look for a moment at this first miracle of a lame man who was healed. Now, if you've ever had the pleasure of raising a teenager, you know that this is a miracle because Peter told the man, get up and make your bed. And he got up and he made his bed. But all joking aside, this is an incredible series of events. These two miracles that Jesus works through Peter. And from this text, there's a couple of questions that I want to examine here today. And I believe that they will be a strength to you and that they will bring clarity to you and to your heart in our Christian walk with the Lord. And the first series of, of things that I want to look at is this question of who is the healer? Who is the one doing the healing? Well, we see it in verse 3. Peter clearly tells this man, Aeneas, paralyzed for eight years, had never walked in, had never taken a step. We don't know if it was an accident or some other uh, disease in his body, but for eight years, this man didn't walk. He didn't go anywhere. He lay there paralyzed. But he says clearly, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus is the healer. It's Jesus that heals this man and not Peter. Peter takes no credit for the miracle. Peter takes no credit for the healing. Peter doesn't go out and start Apostle Peter International Healing Ministries trademark. Peter doesn't go out and print a bunch of T-shirts with, you know, Apostle Peter Ministries logo on them. No, this is a work of Jesus Christ. It is not Peter and Peter's power that makes this man whole. It is the power of the resurrected Christ. And this takes us all the way back to Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 
And Luke, who's writing the book of Acts in Acts 1.1, he says, in my first book, that's the gospel of Luke, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The first book, the Gospel of Luke, that was what Jesus did in his life and his death and his resurrection. That is what he began to do. Now writing his second book, the book of Acts, Luke deals with all that Jesus continues to do through his apostles and through his church. You know, in many of our Bibles, the the title for the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And way back almost 20 weeks ago when we started Acts, I made the argument that it shouldn't be called the Acts of the Apostles. It should be called the Acts of Jesus Christ, part two. That Luke is the first part and Acts is the second part, but it's not the apostles doing the work. It is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, alive in his church through his spirit. It's not, wow, Peter, look at this miracle. It's, wow, Jesus, this is awesome. Is Jesus working through Peter? Well, yes, of course he's working through Peter. Everything Jesus does, he does through his people. He does through his church. The way God is working in the world today is through the body of Christ. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus but we, all, we always must be keenly aware of where the power comes from. What the true source of power is, it's not in us. It's not even in our faith. The power is through the resurrected Christ, Jesus Christ, our Lord, his spirit alive in his church. It's never the person It's always Jesus. Paul later writes that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the true treasure is Jesus Christ. The true treasure is the spirit of God. So many times we're enamored with the vessel, the person. That's a true shame. We as Christians should know better. It's not about the vessel. The vessels are are clay. They're they're weak. They're frail. They're, They're not much to be made of. But inside the vessel is a treasure. It's something more valuable than all the money in the world could buy. So often we're caught up with the personality of the person that God is working through. We call it a cult of personality. Many Churches and and movements have been built on not the power of God, but the power of a charismatic personality. And so many times we've seen in even our lifetimes where that person falls and fails and the church, the movement, it scatters, it falls to nothing, it goes nowhere because it wasn't built on Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit but it was simply built on a very dynamic and charismatic leader that had a great personality. Listen, Christian, let us not be enamored with the vessel. I know in this church, you probably don't have that problem. (laughs) 
But just in case you were tempted to think that what God is doing has anything to do with me, let this story dispel all of that. It's all about Jesus. We need to understand what Peter clearly understood. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the only one that brings healing. For there to be any healing of any sort, it comes from Jesus Christ. Whether we're talking about physical healing, bodily healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, healing in relationships, the only source of true healing is Jesus Christ. The work of Satan is to steal, kill, and destroy. The work of Christ is to bring life and life more abundantly. This healing work is only through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and His Spirit. You know, we're going through a very difficult time and season in our country. There are so many people that are hurt and broken right now. But the answer, let me tell you, is not in politics. The answer will not be found in some sort of bill that's passed through Congress. The answer will not be found in some sort of reform that goes through the justice system or the political system. No, the true answer is only through healing that Jesus Christ can bring. You see, the real problems in our world are sin. The real problems in our world is racism. No amount of laws, no amount of politicians coming up with their best plans are going to fix that. For there to, to truly, the, 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 the divide that exists between communities, for that to truly be healed, healed, not just patched over, not just quieted, not just kind of pushed to the side. No, for there to be true healing manifesting in love between the two parties where there is a division. It's only going to come through Jesus Christ. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't pursue those other things? No, I think those other things, reform and, and laws, those are important and we want to have righteous and just laws. For there to be healing, hear me, it must come from Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means the church must be involved. That means that we need to do what we can in the, in the places where we are, in the places that God has us to try and, and to share the gospel and to teach people about true inner healing and inner peace. God may even be leading you to somehow participate in bringing reconciliation and healing. And I believe that God will lead you by his spirit to do that, but hear me clearly. Yes, you can patch things up with laws, you can kind of smooth things over, but for there to be true inner healing, it will take a work of Jesus Christ. The second question I want us to look at today is, does Jesus still heal today? Is Jesus the healer still healing people today? And the answer is 100%, absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes. Jesus is still healing today. Physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, relationship reconciliation, all of the above, Jesus the healer is still healing today. Hebrews 13 verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. If Jesus was the healer then, Jesus is still the healer now. 
The same spirit that was at work in Peter is the same spirit that is at work in us. We have the same Holy Spirit. Jesus, the healer, lives in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Yes, Jesus heals today. Even from our own history as a church, we see and know, many of us, the story of how my grandmother, Ruth Bell, was healed miraculously of tuberculosis. How she was dying, literally dying of tuberculosis, coughing up blood. The doctors told them that they had to get her from Japan to Texas to a tuberculosis treatment center if there was any hope of her surviving and living, but they, they gave very little hope for her to live and to survive. When they made the long journey from Japan to uh, the United States and they landed in Oakland, California as they came by ship, it took two weeks. During that two weeks, she began to get worse and worse and worse. When they landed in Oakland, they went to a church service and at the end of the service, they gave an, uh, an invitation. They said, if anybody is sick, we want to pray for healing tonight. My grandmother went down as a young teenage girl. They laid hands on her. They prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And at that moment, she would tell the testimony that she heard the inner voice of the Holy Spirit tell her, you are healed. They made the trek from Oakland to San Antonio by train. They took a car ride from San Antonio to Kerrville where the tuberculosis treatment center was. By the time they got there, she had stopped coughing up blood. All the symptoms of tuberculosis had left her. They, they x-rayed her lungs. They gave her a thorough examination. They said, she is not sick at all. We don't know why you have her here. They gave her a clean bill of health. Jesus Christ is still healing today miraculously, mysteriously, by the power of his spirit. My grandmother lived a long and fruitful life to be 85 years of age. God used her in a mighty way to do amazing things with her life. Jesus is the healer and Jesus is still healing today. And so, yes, we should pray for people to be healed. If people are sick, we should pray in the name of Jesus Christ that he would make them whole. But the question arises, what if I pray for someone and they're not healed? What if I take a step of faith and, and step of boldness and, 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 and pray for somebody and God doesn't heal them? Well, let me comfort you. Let me assure you that if that happens to you, you can know that you are in very good company. Every man and woman of God that I've ever known that's been a person of faith that steps out to pray for others to be healed, every single one of them has prayed for someone who was not healed. Even the great apostle Paul prayed for people who were not healed. The apostle Paul, his son in the faith, Timothy, struggled his whole life with chronic stomach illness such a debilitating pain that he would have that it would even inhibit him from doing ministry. 
The Apostle Paul writes to him and says, take a little bit of wine for your stomach ailments to soothe your digestive system. Timothy was not healed. As you read through the book of Acts and the other uh, letters in the New Testament, you read of another companion of Paul named Trophimus, who traveled along with Paul on his missionary journeys for seven years, but he became so sick on one of their journeys, Paul had to leave him behind. He could not even continue on. He was not healed. You read, and in, in, in Philippians, you can read about a man named Aphroditus, another companion of Paul, who was sick, and they thought he was all, everyone thought he was going to die. He was not healed. It wasn't this immediate healing that always happened every time that they prayed. So if ever you pray and you don't see the healing happen immediately, or even if they go home to be with the Lord, you're in good company. Even the Apostle Paul himself had what he called the thorn in his flesh. And many people believe that that was a physical ailment. Three times he prayed for this thorn in his flesh to be removed. God said, I will not remove it for, from you, for my grace is sufficient for you. That even in your weakness, I will demonstrate my power. So every time we pray, God doesn't heal. That's just part of walking through life in this mysterious relationship that we have with God and working with a sovereign God who accomplishes all things according to his will, as Ephesians chapter one tells us. But do we pray for healing because we always see people healed? No, we pray for healing because God's word instructs us to pray for healing. Do we believe in healing because we always see it happen? No, we believe in healing because healing is in the Bible and we believe the word of God. So what do we do? We pray, we pray in faith. We believe that we serve the miracle working, healing God, that the power of Jesus Christ is alive inside of us and we leave the results up to God because he's the healer. We trust him in all things. And whether he chooses to heal the person immediately on the spot, like we see with Peter, if, we, if he raises someone from the dead like he did with Tabitha, praise be to God. But if he doesn't, if he chooses to give them their ultimate healing by bringing him home to be with him, then we say praise be to God. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is the healer. But we, as his people, must pray and pray in faith because his word instructs us to. So who is the healer? Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He is the healer. He is victorious. Does Jesus still heal today? Yes, he does. Absolutely. 100% Jesus is the healer and Jesus is still healing today. And this brings us to our third question that we see answered here. And this is one of the most important and we need to understand this and we need to get this. Why does Jesus heal? Why does Jesus heal? heal? What is the purpose for healing? What is the reason for him healing? Well, it's actually in our text 
clearly, definitively, we see the reason, the purpose for physical healing. We see it in verse 35. We also see it in verse 42. It says that after Peter healed the lame man, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. After Peter raised Tabitha from the dead, in verse 42, it says, and it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. This is what it's all about. After these healings took place, Peter preaches Christ, preaches the gospel. It doesn't tell us and give us an example of his sermon, but we've seen the pattern already so clearly in the book of Acts that when there is an opportunity to preach, the apostles take it. They turn to the Lord because Peter shares what this miraculous event is all about. This miraculous power is not in me. It's through Jesus Christ who was crucified for sin, who has risen from the dead, who has ascended to the right hand of God, who is returning again to judge the living and the dead and to set up his eternal kingdom. And are you right with God? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? This is the message. This is the gospel. This is the reason for these healings, that God would show his power, that God would show his glory, that the gospel, that the message, that the mission would be advanced. And in these regions, it tells us that whole communities, whole cities turned to the Lord. We're not just talking about a few individuals. We're talking about God bringing gospel transformation to entire cities, entire communities. What would this be like in our day and age if we saw the whole city of San Antonio turn to Christ? It would be amazing. This revival is breaking out. This is what it's about. This is the purpose for healing. Is it good that Aeneas was able to get up and walk around? Yes, of course it was good. But that's not why God healed him. God healed him to demonstrate his power so that the gospel could be advanced and souls could be saved and the city could be transformed. Is it awesome that Talitha got up and, and, and was alive and raised from the dead? Maybe it was awesome for the, the widows that were sad about it. If I were her, I think I'd be kind of upset. To be honest, I was in the presence of Jesus. I was in glory. And you brought me back here? Right? If we really believe what we believe about the future, about eternity, healing is not for the here and now. Healing is to demonstrate the power of God and that the gospel is true and that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead and that that power and that that spirit is alive in his church and that people must repent of sin. They must turn to Christ to be forgiven, to be reconciled, to be set free, to be healed of the most serious of diseases, the disease of sin. 
This is the reason why God heals, to display his power and glory and that the gospel would be advanced. In Luke chapter 10, there's a story where Jesus sent out 72 disciples. And when he commissioned them, he commissioned them with the power to go out and to heal and to go into the region surrounding where Jesus was and to minister. And he sent these 72 disciples out and after a time they came back with reports. And they came back ecstatic. And they were saying, it was awesome. Even the demon spirits were subject to us. We were even casting out demons through your power. And Jesus said, oh, hold on a second, uh, hold on. Don't be so excited that you have the power over demons, guys. He said, be excited that your names are written in heaven. Don't be so excited that you have Holy Spirit power. Be excited that you're saved the greatest miracle of all. Be excited that you're heading to an eternity that is secure, to a future that's been purchased in glory. Don't, don't get so enamored with the signs and the healings. Guys, it's about the souls. It's about the people. It's about the lost being saved, being reconciled to God. Don't, don't get so enamored with the sign, but rather... See the, who, see the one to whom the sign points, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, so oftentimes we're enamored with the miraculous and, and there's whole movements and whole denominations and, and, and churches that are totally built on the, the miraculous healing power. But is the gospel being preached? That's what matters. In fact, I would argue that's the only thing that matters. That every time a healing takes place, every time there's a miracle, what that is, is a platform to stand on to preach the gospel. This is the example we have from the apostles who float in healing more than anybody else ever has. And it should be our example today. We should desire to see people healed, but not just so that they can be set free from physical and bodily ailments. These light and momentary afflictions are actually preparing for us a weight of glory that can't be compared to anything. It's not about having peace and security and comfort in this life. This life is fleeting. This life is a vapor. This life is here today. It's gone tomorrow. The only reason we should pray for healing and for the miraculous power of God to show up is so that God could demonstrate his glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ can be preached and souls can be saved. What difference does it make if someone is healed in their body but not healed in their soul and in their spirit? Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? It's not about the healing. It's about eternity. And we should seek the glory of God and the power of God and, and pursue healing and pursue praying in faith that God would demonstrate his power as an, as an opportunity for the gospel to advance and for souls to be saved. 
So let us pray in faith for healing and miracles. Let us remember that it's Jesus who's the one who heals. And let us keep the glory of God in focus. And ever present in our mind is the mission to which he's called us. And you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Power without witness, it's not the, it's not the mission. All that does is bring glory to people. Peter so clearly shuns the glory as he proclaims healing in the name of Jesus. Let's not be enamored with so-called healers. Let's be enamored with Jesus and seek to see his glory manifest in our lives so that souls can be saved. Father, we thank you for your word and how it instructs us and leads us and guides us in all things. Lord, help us to not be enamored by the sign, but be in love with the one to whom the sign points to you. Lord, let us seek healing, but let us more seek your glory manifested in our lives. And Lord, we pray for souls to be saved, for the lost to be found, for the bound to be set free, for blind eyes to be opened, for deaf ears to be healed, that ultimately people could see and hear the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.